Sophia Minnert always has the best information when it comes to your Milwaukee Brewers. Sophia, how are you doing today? Great. How are you guys? We're good. Lots of stuff to talk about, man. We have Adrian Griffin. We've been talking about Live Golf and PGA, talking about the Packers, the Jimmy Butler situation. And I do want to get to that with you because I think that that is really just a fascinating uh, psychological and philosophical space. But before I ask you that, I've been looking at the Milwaukee Brewers in the standings back on top after they won last night. Pittsburgh lost. I guess these two teams may just flip-flop. But Milwaukee still has that negative 20 run differential. And what I have been trying to figure out is how much concern that should provide Brewers fans as there's only one team in the division that has a positive run differential, and that happens to be the Pittsburgh Pirates. Is this something that, like, Mm -hmm. is a good indication of talent on a team? Like, what's the best way people should be using the run differential stat? Yeah, I think think run differential definitely helps, like, tell a story of a season and, like, how a team has won games. Like, I I would use, like, the Texas Rangers as an example of they have an absolutely absurd, like, plus 150 something like an absurd number um, run differential just because they've just like bludgeoned teams offensively um, and their pitching has done a really nice job. So that's like an outlier. I think for the Brewers, they are typically a team that is on the positive side of, of run differential and they have been for the majority of the season. I will say that some of that is they have just had some, really ugly lopsided losses, um, specifically that one um, in St. Louis, the 18-1 to or 18-2 to game that they had a couple of weeks ago. Um, if you have a couple games like that, that can really um, just skew your run differential, and then it takes a little while for it to even out again. So they have had um, some of those really lopsided losses. They had a plus run, run differential up until that point. Um, so yeah, I think it, I think it can be indicative of a team, um, but sometimes there's there's some underlying stuff in so there. So you're saying they've just been digging themselves out of a hole since that game, right? Because if I said it, yeah, the, the run differential right now much, is negative yeah. twenty, well, an eighteen run game by the opponent is pretty much that, right? So you can circle that game and say, there's where you're getting it from. Yeah, I, that was a huge, huge, huge factor, and and there have been a not other losses as ugly as that one. Um, but they have, they've certainly had games where like, you know, the, a bullpen might give up a couple innings. Um, and so it just, it happens sometimes. I think at the end of it, they will be on the positive side, especially considering the pieces that they're getting back in their pitching staff. Sophia, where's Woodruff at in his rehab? He is the slowest of the group right now, just in terms of the progress that he's made. Um, he is throwing he's ramping up his throwing program he is not off of a mound yet he's not throwing bullpens yet they were initially thinking the end of june for him now the timeline is probably all-star break um that's kind of what they're targeting right now with woody um it's just he had to kind of slow things down for a bit took a couple days off from his throwing program now he's back in it ramping up again so this is just it's a different injury for brandon he's never had an arm injury before it's a subscap, um, so the way that he throws and like the velocity that he throws with, he's just he's gonna have to figure out how much he can continue to push um, and try to get that timeline up faster. But I think right now everyone uh, understands that it's probably gonna be the All Star break before we see him. 
Joey Weimer, another walk-off hit last night. But the overall numbers, not fantastic. Mm-hmm. Do you think that him playing this much is ultimately going to be a good thing? Because I think the Garrett Mitchell injury, like him, like Weimer and, and Garrett would probably be splitting some time and they'd be able to ease him back in. He's been thrown into it because of all the injuries you were just talking about. He's had some highs, he's had some lows. Ultimately, is this going to be a good thing for his development? Absolutely, yes. I think for any player, I think you could say the same for Bryce Terang. I think you could have said the same thing for Garrett Mitchell, right? Like the 30-ish games that he got last year and how that set him up for this year before his shoulder injury. I mean, experience is always the best thing that these players can get because the jump from AAA to the big leagues is very real. Um, And it's just, it's in terms of everything. You know, it's in terms of the schedule, the travel, the pitching, um, the, the you know the concentration that it requires the the all the information that you have to absorb. I mean these these guys are learning every day um, and they're having to make adjustments in real time. And I think for both Joey and for Bryce, their kind of the story of their season has been their defense. Um, that's why they're in the lineup every day, and it really does help you absorb some of the ups and downs that any rookie would go through offensively. Both of them had great nights last night, and you hope that like they have more nights like that and they can continue to build off of it. Sophia Minert hanging out with Jen, Gabe, and Chewy here. Before I get to the question about Jimmy Butler and Skip Bayless, I see that they are 10-3 and in one-run contests. How does that help a team's confidence, especially a young team? How does that help them believe that they can go out there and still you know, get the job done? Yeah, that's, that's been an, an interesting part of this season, too. It's like It feels like in the past, the Brewers, like, every night have played one-run games. And for whatever reason, this year just hasn't played out like that. So that actually feels like a small number to me. But they've done a great job. And I think a huge reason for that has been because of their pitching. The bullpen's been great. We've talked about Devin Williams. He's been nailed. He deserves a ton of credit for that number as well, the job that he's done, um, and and their defense. Um, and then – They've just been able to get kind of timely hitting. You know, like last night, it was Bryce Trang that tied the game, I think, in the eighth. And then, um, you know, Joey walks it off. So it's it takes everybody to win those one-run games. But I do think the pitching and the defense are probably the biggest reason why they've been able to have that record. Okay, so Jimmy Butler apparently has been going through something personal. His family's been dealing with something, his father, an ailment. Skip Bayless goes on the air two days ago and announces it to the world. It, and Jimmy is famously, as we well know probably from our time at Marquette, Sophia, private, right? Like, mm-hmm. I could ask you, you know, his the dynamics of his family, and you probably couldn't even tell me, you know, like, is he married? Is he mm-hmm. not? How many kids does he have? All that, like, you probably, because he just doesn't share that stuff. Was Skip Bayless in the wrong for telling people what Jimmy was dealing with? Uh, because I say the gray area is... And I would not do it. I want to be very clear. I would not report Jimmy Butler's personal stuff. But with so much money now being attached to these sports in the gambling space, I understand why fans want to know as much information as possible about what a player might be bringing to the court or to the field on a nightly basis. I agree with you. I would not do it. And anytime I talk to a player about something personal, I always ask if that is something that they're comfortable sharing or not sharing, if they prefer that to just be like a a personal conversation, right? Because relationships are such a, I mean, it is the biggest thing of of what we do um, in terms of telling stories and reporting. Um, I, 
I guess I, yes, I didn't, I honestly hadn't considered like the bedding space and, and the impact of that. I guess I'm considering it more of like he's, his job is to like create conversation. And so he thought that was valuable to add to the conversation. And I agree with you. Like I wouldn't do it, but these, I mean, these people are paid to talk and, and create conversation and stir the pot and add, you know, add layers um, of drama really to, to these stories that we're following, right? Like sports is reality TV and these, People, everyone has real lives outside of what we're seeing on the court, on the field, et cetera. So um, I have not read a ton about it. Has Jimmy reacted publicly to this yet? I don't think there's been any comment. But how much privacy do famous people deserve? And, 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 and look, I mean, again, not these people who go on and want to be cast members of reality television and whatnot. You know, I feel like you're signing away most of your privacy in those situations. But, you know, Chu, mm-hmm. you know, as as a member of the Green Bay Packers on the Super Bowl winning team, I'm sure there were things in Chu's life oh, yeah. that he didn't want people to know and other things that he just understood they would know because of him being a very famous person in this state and nationwide. So I feel like it's a really tricky spot to nail down. But where would you stand, let's say, an A player sneaks away to Vegas without anyone knowing and plays like crap for three days? Would you report that if you found out about it? Because guys have been pulled into Holmgren's office and like, what are you doing? You know, you're going out too much. You're doing this. They saw you in here, blah, blah, blah. I don't. I can't remember a point where they are. I, I mean, I can remember a hundred things that, like, I cannot believe the media didn't know about that in certain things, or maybe they did and didn't report it. I know it's a different mm-hmm. world with social media and stuff like that, and guys are different, obviously, today than they were back in the and day. And Sophia, is your role different because you're employed by the team? You know, I'm sure that you, you know, with the access you have to the team, there are things that you are aware of, but that the team would prefer stay internally, and then you kind of do what the team wants, right? I mean, that makes sense given mm-hmm. the dynamics of your role. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, I think there's like an understood, um, you know, I've never been told like outwardly, like don't say this, don't, you know, like the, the team is also respectful of the fact of like we're going on the air every day to talk about the team. Um, but yeah, I think there are absolutely things that are understood of like when you're traveling with the team every day, when, I mean, you're around these people every day. Like, there are things that just, uh, like, with any team in any organization, there are things that happen internally. There are conversations that are happening, um, things that might be happening with a player, uh, health stuff, right, all of that. Like, there is a layer of privacy, I think, that, like, you just understand should and needs to be respected. Sophia, we see... Yeah, I think there there are absolutely things like that. We see this this gambling problem. I don't know if it's a problem, but we see the gambling that's happening at these NFL facilities. Is that the same in Major League Baseball? And do the players know about that? Or is there signage outside the locker room where they can be tracked if they go on, like, gambling sites like they do in the NFL? I have... I've... I don't think in any of the stadiums I've seen any signs like internally of really anything about that space. Um, I think if anything, when players talk about that space, they're they're obviously not participating in it themselves. I want to make that very clear. 
but it's more so the feedback that they get from the fans on social media about like you're zero for four or your two strikeouts uh, killed my parlay, and you know it's like they yeah. get that kind of feedback, okay. which I think is insane. Um, but no, I mean they are obviously they cannot participate in it. But I, I guess I've never seen any signage or anything like that to deter them from doing that. But maybe baseball is a different space that way. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, Great American Ballpark, I believe. You know, some of these stadiums are starting to get like sports books or you know inside things like that. Yeah, inside. I think Great American Ballpark is one of them. I think Jenna's Wrigley one of them now. That sounds so that sounds club. correct. I feel like I may have heard that at I one think, point. Yeah, I think Wrigley was one that, like, as part of the renovations, they added one in one of the clubs, actually, that was near the um, visiting clubhouse. So it is starting to come in baseball, but I, I don't think it's as relevant of a conversation in baseball, honestly, because I don't even know how you get on baseball. <laughs> it's so hard. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, but in terms of the players, I think they just talk about the feedback that they get from the fans. Quickly, participating in it. quickly here, Sophia, just to get you out on a lighter note. Yesterday, we tried the McFlurry uh, hash brown sandwich, uh, which was something that kind of <laughs> lit the world on fire, I would say, on social media about last week, where you take a McFlurry, put it between two McDonald's hash browns and try it. Um, would Is that something that you would give a chance to? Would you try that? Uh, sure, I would try it. I mean, it sounds like a gut bomb, if I'm going to be honest. It, sounds, it does not sound... It failed miserably on this show. <laughs> Thank God you said that. Yes. I mean, I feel like that's something you eat, and it's like proceed with caution. Yeah. Uh, what, what was the review? Careful spill zone. <laughs> uh, just not practical, honestly. Like, I thought it was tasty, and if you can nail the ratio of ice cream to hash brown, I think it can be enjoyable. No, but the hot hash brown and the McFlurry, it melted so quickly that it was very... So I was saying what I would do instead of eating the sandwich, Gabe, was I would use um, the hash brown like a cracker and put the ice cream on top and eat it like an appetizer. You know what I mean? Like when you go there and there's a crostini <laughs> with yeah, some I, burrata on top. That's the attack I think that is more successful than the sandwich. I'd rather have the hash brown and then have the ice cream I don't want to combine both. I don't know. Because also the problem with the McFlurry is I just wish I had a blizzard. That's true. That's fair. However, my, my, wow. th- my thought on this, though, Sophia, was you take a vanilla McFlurry and then you chop up a very crispy hash brown and you put it in there like it's like it's an actual hash brown McFlurry, not a sandwich. Yeah, but it's not hot then. But, and, and no, you get the hash sauce, but the hash brown's still going to get stuck. Yeah. Uh, you don't know that. What do you, you try you it? No, nothing. Just because you have a food truck, I'm the smartest in the room. Well, for food, <laughs> does anybody anybody else want that <sighs> position? Nope. Okay. Nope, I'm out. Sorry, that was me, Nash, and I apologize. Default. You're not sorry. You're still my buddy. Sophia, we no. appreciate you hanging out with us. Have a great day. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Have a good one, guys. She's Sophia Minert. You can, of course, see her on Bally Sports Wisconsin covering your Milwaukee Brewers all summer long.